Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. My ultimate fear is that if Michael Eisner showed up at Bel Air one day and he would look at the handicap sheet and he would see my handicap is like 14 or 15, no problem. But if he looked under rounds this month for June, he would have seen 28. <laughs> and and Ty, Tiger, uh, Tiger stops mid-stroke, looks up at me and says, you play more than I do. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I can't tell you how many people enjoyed talking to Uncle Big Al. Yeah. They really liked it. That's great. And it made me very happy. He got some mentions during the uh, Women's Amateur. Is that right? Yeah. That's good to know. At Bel Air. Um, I, I told you there'd be a relaxed schedule during the summer. We are, uh, in truth, taping this in the afternoon, on Monday afternoon, not Monday morning. I drove back from Delaware this morning. Um, so, and I might go again, depending on my physical uh, abilities to go, because I have something wrong with my leg that I will talk about in excruciating detail in a little while. <laughs> we got this nice note from Chuck Sullivan. If you remember last week, we were promoting one of Ronnie Newmeyer's Yeah, the Tom uh, Petty tribute Tom show. Tom Petty tribute. Yeah. And I didn't understand how come Cal Everett was singing a song by Chuck Sullivan's band or whatever. Yes. So he explains. Thank you so much for mentioning not only my new album, Behind the Mask, by playing Light of My Life, sung by Cal Everett, but also promoting the Bandhouse tribute to Tom Petty at the Warner Theater. I'm a longtime fan of Tony's sports knowledge. It's super nice you're helping to support and promote local music. The artists in D.C. are second to none. Bandhouse tries to shine a spotlight on them at our concerts. My album was made in a similar collaborative style. I wrote all the songs, but I was able to handpick who would sing and play them. There are 11 lead singers and 16 additional musicians who made my songs their own proud of my first solo album though it is anything but because it's not a solo album no. obviously but well, that's great if concept. you hear the noise in the background it chatter the noise in the background <laughs> are bootsy and the and the hammer that's and right bootsy and the hammer are here uh, at some point i know michael didn't want them to make noise i said yeah make all the noise you want <laughs> daddy daycare you know <laughs> the hammer is still trying to figure out the lights yeah <laughs> turning the lights on and yeah off. a little bit of a light well, show earlier it was great um so i'm not going to go crazy about the nats the nats beat a very bad team they had a great ninth inning, a yeah. walk-off. like Six what, runs. Six in the ninth. Dominic Smith, a very minor part. Jeter Downs, down walk. to the last out. Yeah. So. I mean, I know it has not been a particularly brilliant season for, for your squad, but... No, but, but now... That, that's fun to watch. Nets. They're fun to watch, and that's, that's one of the of moments that you sort of remember from the year. You'd be like, they oh. hit a lot of singles, so, that, so yeah. that's okay. They played well. Did you watch any of the Women's Am uh, when they got uh, the semis? No, I, the I watched on Friday. Uh, I watched some of it on Friday. I did not watch yesterday. I did not. The course looked so little beautiful. Bit on this Saturday. Everyone, was looked joking, great. everyone was joking about that. it's the summer of George C. Thomas. Uh, when you think about the Philadelphia School of Architecture going out to Los Angeles, and you have Riviera, you have uh, Bel Air, you have LACC and all this, but just the course looked unbelievable. And there's something about the women's game that just is in a really good spot right now. Ratings are through the roof uh, through That's the early part know. of the summer with the with the women's U.S. Open and just to see these players. And you see them throughout the year because they televise so many college events and they have all the, you know, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. These young players know each other and you could just see the, the camaraderie and the sportsmanship as they're walking through a 36-hole final. So did Uncle Big Al get a call or two? I, I, I think I could see him trying to play through <laughs> when, uh, when these young women were approaching the 14th and 15th hole. Yeah. I hope that maybe somebody talked about some of the members there. Oh, yeah, they, they definitely did. So I... 
we've been very blessed. We've played a lot of amazing golf courses. And one of my favorite moments where right when this, uh, this, the finals was ending was when they get to a stretch on that 14th, 15th, when I bomb a drive and uh, we have Big Al looks at me and goes, that's Sampras Long. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know. Pete Sampras Long. Uh, speaking of golf, somebody's got to get Lucas Glover a new pair of pants. Well, you just can't have that. You can't have a pair of pants. It's, it's 200 degrees in Memphis. It's unbelievably hot. Time for shorts. You, it's not even shorts. You have to have something that hides all the sweat stains oh, yeah. pouring out of your pants. Yeah. Other golfers didn't have that problem. Well, a lot of it's just Lucas the, Glover it's the was wearing pants choice. from five years ago, right? Yeah, but even, you know, it's something about that the stone tan color that he was wearing would reveal a lot more of that than, say, a dark pair of slacks. Just brutal. That was just brutal, I thought. Brutal. Time for the Ryder Cup. I mean, Rory, Rory was wearing white pants. All about the scripting. Like you know, because... Go get some pants, Lucas about, Glover. If you're yeah. going to be back in the top 10, <laughs> go get some pants. How about pants. that eight-day stretch, back-to-back wins? Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I thought Cantlay, after he caught him, was going to beat him in the in the overtime and didn't beat him in the overtime. Does that guarantee that he'll be on the Ryder Cup team? No. No, it just makes for a lot more complicated choices. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I played golf yesterday with Gary and Allen. Had a good time. Glad I played with Gary and Allen. I did not play well. In fact, I think I did. I leave you a voicemail saying it's the worst I've ever played. I have that from the amount of voicemails I get when you're out of town <laughs> is unbelievable. And I just it's you have Checking you have in. destroyed my phone storage. But and they're all the same. I shot fifty three. It's, the, the, it's the background of your of, of your radio days. They are all exactly one minute hits. Yeah, I shot fifty three on the front. It's like you're do, you're doing so the bad. news at the top of the hour. It's just right. so bad. Yeah. But 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 I birdied seventeen, and I parred eighteen. Into the wind, in. finishing no, the strong. wind was behind. The wind was behind. So I felt much better at the end of it. Guys, and at no point on 18, did the, cart, did the cart redirect you to the path? One time it did. It, one time I was, the cart stops and makes you go into reverse and get off the fairway. It's embarrassing. You feel like a fool. So let me talk about my leg. Oh, also one other thing. Do you want to know what was really nice that Alan did? On Thursday night, Alan knocks on the door of the house about... Eight o'clock at night. Was he riding his bicycle? No, he was in his car, which has more dents now than ever. <laughs> so many dents in his car. On the passenger side, especially, just so many dents. Well, that's Nancy's side. So, <laughs> so when Alan comes over and he has a bag and he opens up the bag and it's a full quart of Vanderwind's coffee ice cream. Oh. It's a full quart. How about and that? And so I had some every night for like three nights. A full quart's like the display quart yes. from, the, from the actual shop. It's really nice. It's really, it's really good. That coffee ice cream is really good. Is that the top? I mean, if we're ranking them right well, I mean, now, is I've that the top? I've only done two or three, so it's at the top at the moment. Okay. But these things are in flux. It's early in the season. <laughs> these things are in flux. So i got to tell you about my leg. Today's the third day that I've had this problem. Um, I have my right leg from the shin down, so four to six inches under the knee, all the way down to my ankle. My right leg is swollen. It's hideously colored. It's like blood red, honestly, blood red. And it's hot to the touch. It's hot. Yeah. And I called a couple of people who I thought would take my calls, and they did. And they each said, you, you need to go to a doctor today. And I said, okay. I was driving home, and I said, okay. And I called a doctor, and I, you know, I went to a doctor. But this morning, it was so hot on my leg that I did what 
I mean, I, I never went to medical school, obviously. I mean, I'm a doctor, but I'm you not are, that kind of doctor. You are a doctor, yes. But I did what I thought any human being would do. I took some ice. I took some ice in my hand, and I rubbed the ice on my right leg. And at one point, it opened up a cut. I mean, the, the, the capillaries. This, this is that old man skin. Yeah, and I have old man skin. It's just so close to the surface. Yeah. It opened up a cut, and blood started flowing down. My leg, and this, you know, so now you can imagine what I'm thinking. First of all, I have to say it doesn't hurt for those of you who are now going to look this up yep. on the internet and Web tell MD. me what I've got. Yeah. You know, it does not hurt. There is, it just burns. There are areas where I put pressure on it and it hurts, but by and large it doesn't. It does not impede my walking. I can go out and play. And driving was and okay? Driving was okay. I've had, I've had this for like two or three days. Some people thought I had been bitten by a spider. That's possible. Now, yeah. and that I was infected with spider venom. Now, what is true is that on Rehoboth Beach, there are these incredibly aggressive, tiny flies that bite you on your legs. Yeah. And they bite. Yeah. You can feel them bite. And they get more than one bite without a shot. And so I thought maybe it was that, but it's only on my right leg. It's not on my left leg. And nobody else seemed to have it. So maybe it's a spider bite, or maybe I pray it's not Lyme disease. But then I would have seen a tick on my yeah. on my leg, and I didn't see anything like that. So I'm not exactly sure what it is. But what what is your what is your devolving fantasy? Well, it ends with amputation. Of course, it does. <laughs> like all the way back home today in the car, I'm thinking, well, what if what if they have to amputate below the knee? I mean. It, do I have enough time to learn how to compensate and still play? Sure. You know, I guess. I mean, you're l looking at me. No, I'm just, I'm laughing to myself because I had a parallel situation where I'm pretty sure now that a bee stung the top of my left foot. And I woke up this morning and it hurt to put pressure on, but there was no visible bee sting. But as the day has progressed, it's beginning to have a bit of a, of a red ring to it. And of course, I thought, well, there goes the lower part of my foot. Right, right. Yeah, well, you can live without the lower part of your foot, but mine is my leg. I would it'd be difficult. Ahab was able to be a captain. I after understand. That. I don't want. I don't want to be a captain. I want to hit a one hundred thirty yard shot <laughs> with a seven iron at my age and get it to the green. Seven iron. That's a five wood. You know, well, pretty much. So, I mean, but you know, hope springs eternal. So, I've been to one doctor. I'm going to see another doctor tonight. I hope it's curable but i did I, my greater fear would be infection that if you don't yes, treat it quickly will spread throughout the rest of your body yeah that's but you you yes. i think well, you've addressed it in a prompt fashion aren't we going to go get the drugs that were ordered after oh, the we, podcast so now i'm going to drive with you yes okay yes and we've got the drugs. we have the car seats in the car so you're and good then to go. i can you know put the topical <laughs> stuff on and take the pills and all of that yeah but it's really it's looks terrible it looks like bad sunburn you know yeah but it's but it's, it's it, but really, it's puffier than that. Yeah, yeah. It does, it's it, really bad. It it's looks not painful. on the back of my leg. No. And you don't think on the golf uh, golf course were you searching for a ball and ran into poison ivy? Well, it doesn't itch. Well, it doesn't does it? poison ivy? But poison ivy lord will make you itch. <laughs> uh, and you're going to need a notion of calamine lotion. I'll be scratching like a hound the minute you start to mess around. Poison ivy, the coasters, nineteen fifty nine. No, I don't think. It w I mean, wouldn't poison ivy cause itching? Yeah, but I'm I'm more worried about yeah the the burning sensation. Maybe that's the, the it doesn't burn. The realization. It's just hot. It, it's not burning me. It's just hot. It, if you touch it, it's hot. I'm going to trust you. My on that right one. leg is much different than my left leg. 
It almost looks like you were wearing uh, shin guards, like a catcher's shin guards, and with some sort of like reaction. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what it is. Scary, but I hope to have it better. Hope it doesn't make me quit the show. No, we certainly have not. You know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with my voice. So I guess it wouldn't. But you know, you don't want amputation is hard. Or I think that's it. Or like, a, or like surgery. Surgery, surgery, surgery and I mean, an people amputation. die. People die of infections. All the time. They do. Well, left and unattended. What I was told today about infections is people don't think there's anything wrong because nothing hurts. Yeah. And then you die. Yeah. So that's why I went to doctors and I'm very grateful that doctors would see me. Sure. Uh, drove home. Had a nice drive. There's no traffic at all. Did you stop at Chick-fil-A again? Did not stop at Chick-fil-A. I got Chick-fil-A. I... You want to go there, don't you? No, I'm just, I'd like your honest reaction on the food and then obviously the pricing. I went, I went on... For the on, sandwich alone. You're not getting sweet tea. I went on Saturday to I'm Chick-fil-A. I'm surprised you didn't try and go on Sunday morning. Well, then I know they're not open. <laughs> so I went on Saturday to Chick-fil-A. And I wanted a, you know, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, something like that. And people were very nice there. And it's, up, it's, up, it's $5. It's just really a lot. It seems to me it's really a lot. Well, Michael laughed at me. I didn't get the meal though. The meal is seven dollars. Yeah, but you get what you get the waffle coffee. fries. Oh no, well, I, I guess yeah for the for the breakfast. No, that. It was yeah. all right. I mean, the food was okay. It just and Michael was scoffing at me. Right. I I just I asked you to imagine what it would cost if I took my family of five to Chick Fil A for a lunch, and you were so far off the mark. Uh, but no, we'll do it proper next time. I'll take you out. We'll get you an original Chick-fil-A sandwich. Mm. We'll load you up with a couple different sauces. <clears throat> yeah. uh, just to see their drive-through in full swing they do a nice during job. the lunch hour rush. Unbelievable. They do yeah. a nice job. They All do. Right, so we'll stop here. Uh, and Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Last week, we played songs by Abby Posner. They were sent to us by Bob McWilliams of Kansas Public Radio, who writes, before sending in a song, I ask, what would Michael Granberry do? <laughs> That's love. And this is Abby Posner again, and this is called Simple Life. She plays guitar, she plays banjo, she plays mandolin, she plays drums. It's a four-tool player. <laughs> and she sings, so it's five. Yeah, five-tool player. She's a five-tool player. Yep. Guitar, banjo, mandolin, and drums, and sings. And as Bob McWilliams said, she's no rumdum. <laughs> Her album is called Second Chance, and it's called Simple Life, and it plays in Michael Wilbon. And Wilbon was at the NBA Hall of Fame induction. It's not just the NBA. It's all of basketball. It's a basketball Hall of Fame induction. Uh, tell us about it. Tell us why you were there, and tell us what went on, because I know there were some well, people Tony, there who were important to you. Yeah, you know, I knew all of the primary inductees. When I say primary, I mean the ones from the NBA in college. I mean... There's some, there, well, there's some college coaches and high school coaches who've had, who were inducted, who've had wondrous careers. Yeah. Wondrous. Like, they did stuff in a state, and they won it, like, 20 times. 
you know, in 35 years coaching. And you meet these people, and they're just, they're just so grateful to be there with Tim Duncan and, you know, Magic Johnson. Well, they, know, never, just, they never expected. I don't, I don't no. know how – I mean, I know two coaches. Morgan Wooten was in the Hall of Fame and Bob Hurley Sr., and I don't know any others from the high schools. Yeah, and, and it's just, they're, they're there deservedly. Oh. And you meet them, and they just walk up and they say, hey, listen, I just love to tell you, you know, I used to live in Cumberland, and I read your work when I was, I was like, wait a minute, you're the guy who won like six state championships in a row? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. So I'm, you meet them, right? But I went there specifically, even though the people I knew, like Greg Popovich was inducted. Um, you know, there are people that I, that, I, that I knew and was happy to see, uh, Gene Cady from Purdue, who I covered briefly when I was in Lafayette, Indiana as a young guy. Uh, but, but I went for Dwayne Wade, just be supportive of Dwayne Wade, uh, Mark Spears, who got the Kurt Gowdy Award, which is what I got two years ago, um, and Tony Parker. I mean, those are guys I have been close to on b- d- various levels. Uh, Dwayne Wade, who I've, whose career I've followed since he was, you know, you know, 17 or 18 years old before yeah. he went to Marquette on the south side of Chicago. And then um, Mark Spears, who is one of my dearest friends and closest colleagues in this business over a couple of decades now. And uh, Tony Parker, who's, okay, people hear Tony Parker, they, hear, they, they think France, and they should. But Tony, Parker, Tony Parker's dad, that would be Tony Parker Sr., grew up on the south side of Chicago. When I was a kid, I wanted to be either Tony Parker Sr. or Mo Cheeks. Pretty good on my part, huh? Yeah. To identify with those guys as yeah. kids, they get a couple of years older. You know, I think Mo Cheeks is in the Hall of Fame. He better be. Um, but anyway, so Tony Parker and Tony Parker, French Tony Parker. So Tony Parker's dad was not good enough to play you know, be a star in the NBA. He went to Europe and he played in France and he got married and he had children. One of his sons, TJ, was a point guard at Northwestern for three years. And I know TJ well. And Tony, and by the way, TJ sounds like he grew up on the south side of Chicago and Tony sounds like he grew up in Paris. It's just, you know, it's just, it's always been that, that weird dynamic. But I love that family. And uh, so anyway, I went to be supportive of them. And you get there, Tony, and, and it's just like, Wow, this thing is just just coming here is great. You know, we have friends who are in there. You know, I mean, the people the people you know. I mean, David Aldridge, he's in, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. You know, Junior Junior Feinstein yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Mike Lupica in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people. Dick Hoops Weiss. Well, Bob Ryan is certainly in the Hall of Fame. Bob Ryan. Yeah, sure. So anyway, you go and you're treated like a Hall of Famer. I mean, you go and. You're in these things, and people invite you to stuff, and people have receptions. I had one two years ago. And um, I went and had breakfast. Oh, by, by Dirk Nowitzki inducted. And so, but you hang around. You're hanging out with, in my case that morning, Dirk Nowitzki, Mark Spears, Dwayne Wade, Tony Parker, Steve Nash, who was there to support Dirk Nowitzki, his former teammate, his former center. And, 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 and this is about as relaxed and as happy. Dwayne Wade was so was so thrilled and so, like, unexpectedly joyous. Dwayne Wade, who in my book is the third greatest player to ever play the position he played of shooting guard. There's Michael Jordan and there's Kobe Bryant. That's it for me on my list. 
And Dwayne Wade, I was like, Dwayne, what, you didn't know this was going to happen? He's like, dude, no, 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 you don't, you don't know when you're here. When you, I said, yeah, I, I get a sense of that. But it was just great. And people were, you know, Malika Andrews hosted the Friday night event, and people gave speeches, and it was just phenomenal. Um, you know, the, the CBS team of people was there, so Bill Raftery um, was honored. And again, people that you know who said to you, just said, hey, how's Tony? What's he doing? Tell him to get out of the basement. Yeah. Maybe we can play some golf. Roy, Roy Williams. Roy Williams. I'll oh, tell you, Roy. I'll have a longer conversation with you later about what Roy pulled me over to specifically say. We did his birthday the other day. We did his birthday specifically. Well, you know what? I mean, it good. I'm glad yeah. that the show did. I wasn't there, obviously. Yeah, we did it. So anyway, I'm, I'm going on too long, but it's, Tony, I realize I should go. I can't go every year, but I should go most of the years, and particularly yeah. when there's somebody that I have So I'm going to ask, ask you a question. Ask you a question. Assuming that Antetokounmpo and Jokic and Embiid, and maybe Embiid will win a championship at some point, assuming they don't quit in the same year, I don't know how there's a greater collection of foreign players That's right. than Dirk, Gasol, and Parker. I don't know how. How about that? How about that? Right, to me, that would be the greatest Yeah, it, it, well, as a collection. Yeah. You know, I don't know who was in the class when Tony Kukoc went in, but I, I don't know. Uh, but, yes, I would say, or who, Steve Nash is Canadian. I don't know He's who Canadian. was, was yeah. in when Steve Nash went in. But, yes, those three to me. That's great. And I'm just sitting there with them. Yeah. And Dirk, you know, Dirk could not be a, there's no more gracious a person. You know, there was a, you know, there was a, a channel interviewing people about each guy, and they said, what do you, you know, what do you think of when, when you think of Dirk Nowitzki? One word. And I said, you know what? It's not going to be any of the stuff you think it is. It's going to be gracious. He just, that's just who he is. He actually, he, he, he comports himself as he if does. he just made the team. Did you, um, did you drop by Bristol on the way? It's only about 30 miles. Did you stop in that at Bristol? Be, uh, no. No, I didn't think so. And that would make it maybe like 10 consecutive years. Yeah. So I it's not dropped by Bristol. It's being but reported it's that Bob Myers is going to be on the countdown show. Yes, I know. I know that that news came out probably today, right? Yeah, publicly yeah. today. <laughs> yes, pu- well, announced, announced. I yeah. Say. And, uh, yeah, you I, like him a lot, don't you? Love him, love yeah, him. Yeah, Have, I, you know, I like him. Um, and so, you know, I mean, obviously there were changes necessary, and people should stop reading into Malika hosting the show. Oh, they replaced Greeny? No, they didn't. You know, Greeny. Here's what Greeny and Stephen A. No, Tony. They work too hard they, as it is. Well, you can't cover the NBA all night in the week and go to work at eight in the morning and, no 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 not eight well no. six to get ready four four three thirty four yeah three. you just you can't do it you can't do it and, no. and, and those guys had we all had ailments at one point you know Cheryl said is anybody on that set gonna be like alive next year and you know I'm I'm I love both of them um I'm still Stephen is still gonna do the show not as many he's not gonna do the weeknight shows that he's been doing. I mean, he might pop up on one or two. I, I will do more of them, and I won't do as many as I've done. And then Malika, of course, is going to host because she, she's she's already terrific at it. I think she's quite good. Yeah, I, I she think is. she's quite good. I do. I've seen her. Yeah. And she's a yeah. baby. She's in her 20s. Yeah, she's not 30 yet. No, no she's, she's 27. Was she from L.A.? She's from L.A. She's right? from Oakland, San Francisco. Oakland, from Bay Area, okay. Northern California. 
Um, and her sister covers the Warriors. Her sister does a great hmm. job, Kendra, covering the Warriors. So, you know, it, it's, but yes, all that stuff's coming out today. I'm sure if I was uh, awake and paying attention. That's not right. For other reasons, I I'm going to move on. I, Your you club, know. Olympia Fields, yeah. has uh, the BMW this week. Yes. I assume, well, I don't know. I shouldn't assume, but I do assume you watched a little bit of Lucas Glover back from the dead two weeks in a row. Unbelievable Lucas Glover, really. You know, Tony, I didn't watch much of it. Um, why didn't I? Hmm. I went to hit balls and try okay. to like, get my own game back. And I watched the women. Yeah, at Bel Air. Uh, I watched the women play yesterday. I watched the, the women play every day in the British Open. Sorry, okay. I'm calling it British. Right. Uh, I watched them, and I watched this young woman, Liliana Vu, who is now a client of a dear friend of mine. And she didn't have a sponsor. She didn't have an agent. She didn't have – she she just, like, appeared. And this is her second major championship of the year. Good for her. The first American woman to do this since Julie Inkster in 1999. That's a ways back. She's 25 years old, and she's been a star in college. Like, she won everything you could win at UCLA. But, you know, she, she sort of took the, 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 the pro world and the LPGA by storm this summer. And so I was watching her and others, and, you know, Charlie Hull was local. Yeah, she's an English girl. wanted her to win. She grew up 20 minutes away. Yeah. And so there was, I'm sure, a great disappointment for the locals who were in attendance who were cheering for Charlie Hall, I wasn't one of those people. But so I watched the women yesterday. I did not. I did not watch the men. I will watch the men, uh, presumably in person. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, say. Well, how is Olympia week. Fields prepping for this? It's a big deal. I mean, when it was at yeah. Caves a couple yeah. of years ago and it had that great match with DeChambeau and Cantlay, I mean, it was a big deal. Well, we had John Rahm and Finau two years ago. Yeah. And um, I was there. There were no fans that that one. Um, and it was weird just to walk around. COVID. But, you know, I mean, yeah. this is, you know, I have played more golf at Olympia Fields in the past few years than I've played anywhere else. And I, I love the place. I love it. You know, it's, it's 20 minutes from where I grew up, you know, 35 or so from where I, I live now when I'm in Chicago. And I, I love it. It's, you know, it's, it's 1915. It's 100 plus years old. It has hosted U.S. Open, PGAs, women's PGAs. It's hosted big events. And, I, and like I said, the, the BMW ought to be in Chicago every year. The, the, the PGA is making a mistake. But, and it doesn't have to be at Olympia Fields every year. It can move around. It can be at Medina. It can be at Cog Hill. It can be at um, Conway Farms. There's unbelievable courses in Chicago. But it should be there. Every year. It used to be there every year when it was the old Western Open, which I'm sure That's you right. remember. Um, because, the, because the community responds in a way. You know, our season ain't long, Tony. It's longer now with global warming in, in that you could, Chicago is great in the fall now. We didn't have a fall. It, it would be Labor Day, and then like three days later, it would be 46 and the wind blowing off the lake. Yeah. That's no longer the case. Yeah, I was watching a retrospective of the Cubs the other night. And there's no ivy on the wall in mid-September. Now there's ivy on the wall throughout October. I know because I'm, I'm there. And I was there as a little kid when there was none. So this, the season in Chicago, fall and, and sort of Indian summer, is stretched by about six to eight weeks that you can play golf. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to, you know, just, you know, you walk around the courses that you know and play and, I'm looking forward to that. It's always great fun, and you always feel very proud when it's on television. 
and people Absolutely. are looking at your joint. They, it's a tremendous feeling of pride. I'll get you out of here on this. I won't let it pass. Your boy Justin Fields might become yeah. the first Ohio State quarterback to not stink the joint out. Mike, yeah. Mike, you excited? Yeah. Um, what did I tell you last week? That they would win the division. Yeah, yeah. Did I stammer or stutter? No, you did not. There's, there's only two times. Look, I don't walk around talking trash about my teams because they don't usually do a lot for long. I told you in 2015, not 16 when the Cubs were, I said the Cubs are going to crush the Cardinals like a can under their feet. They beat them 4-1. They crushed them. Got that right. I don't ever brag to you about what the Bears are going to do to the Packers because we don't do anything since I was 10 years old. I told you last week, the Bears are going to win the division. Don't tell yeah. me about the Detroit Lions. <laughs> don't tell me about them. Don't tell me about Jordan Love. Don't tell me about the Vikings who don't do anything Never. Ever. Never. The Bears are going to win the division this year. I don't care what the experts say. I don't care what the analytics are. I don't care. Well, he needs a second year to get used to this and to no. He no. doesn't. You know why you don't need like a second Derrick year? Rose. Joe, Joe Burrow in his second year went to the That's Super right. Bowl. He, yeah. No, you it's going to be like Derrick Rose, except I don't want the part that comes later. Right. With it's the... going to be like Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose walked out on the court the second year and said, oh, yeah, I got this. And then he won something called the MVP of the That's league right. a year later. That's right. That's what, I got. That's what I got Justin Fields doing. All right. I just wanted to give you a chance to and he looked talk great. about he it now. Three for yes. three for two touchdowns and 129 yards so i am watching the preseason i'm watching the preseason like i watched i'm not but i'm glad you um, are <laughs> what did i watch last year like this that's I watched 40 yards of pass that's 40 a pass that's pretty good that's right yeah it is 40 pass all right it is. all right i'll talk to you be good all right Tom. michael Thanks. wilbon boys and girls we'll take a break jeff passan will join us when we return i'm tony kornheiser i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. If you go to Fullerton Union High School And you plan on pitching in the majors You better throw a no-hitter or you'll be a Great disappointment to us all Four pitchers from Fullerton Union Starting with Walter Johnson And all four have no-hitters No pressure, but we're watching Steve Busby was a second, Mike Warren the third, and Michael Lorenzen is a fourth. What a strange, 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 strange world. So Fullerton Union students, if to the mound you get the call, if you make the bigs throw a no-hitter or you'll be a great disappointment to us all. You better throw a no-hitter or you'll be a Great disappointment to us all. The great and brilliant Dan Byrne <laughs> with a song that plays in Jeff Passan. And I should start with this. That is a small, odd, weird, <laughs> but really cool fact, is it not, that every single pitcher to the bigs from that high school has thrown a no-hitter? 
I, I think the best part of it is that Walter Johnson went to Fullerton Union, yeah. which allows Tim Kirkjian to say, did you know I went to Walter <laughs> Johnson High School? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true. Walter Johnson High School, or as Shirley referred to him, train. <laughs> Shirley would say, we would ask Shirley a question about Walter Johnson. He says, I was talking to train, and train said this fella kid is pretty fast. That was just great. Train. That's what Shirley called him. All right. Um, let's just start with news of the day, developing news of the day. Something clearly is going to happen one way or another because the club has already acted and Major League Baseball is investigating Wander Franco. What can you tell us about this? Uh, it is a situation still with a lot of unanswered questions, Tony. What I can say and what is clear is this right now. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have placed Wander Franco, their 22-year-old shortstop, on the restricted list, uh, which is used for any variety of reasons, whether it's substance abuse uh, or allegations of wrongdoing or legal matters. The restricted list is sort of the, the catch-all place yeah. where when things aren't right, a player tends to go there. And uh, on Sunday, Wander Franco was trending, I think, number one or two nationally uh, on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it now, uh, because there were a number of allegations of a relationship with a younger woman in the Dominican Republic. Now, I don't know how old uh, this woman is. I don't know if she is even technically a woman yet. She may not be 18. We, we just don't know right now. And because of that, uh, any speculation would, would not just be unfair but reckless. Um, but the fact that Wander Franco, uh, you know, a guy who at 20 years old with the Rays, signed an 11-year, $182 million contract, 70 games into his big league career, it was obvious that the Rays, this franchise that has uh, made itself into a juggernaut on a skinflint budget, yeah. uh, was putting, uh, frankly, a lot of its eggs in the Wander Franco basket. And he was going to be the guy that they were building around and baseball wise, he was turning into a great player. He made his first all-star team this year. He's among the leaders in wins above replacement. So uh, he's not going to be playing for the foreseeable future and major league baseball investigations uh, as, as somebody who had been connected to one earlier today told me they are no joke. Like they have, in their depart uh, Department of, of Investigations, uh, former law enforcement agents, some federal law enforcement agents, and uh, they will in all likelihood get to the bottom of this, and the facts will dictate the case here. Yeah. Um, so, know, I mean, I, I don't want to prejudge it, and I want to make sure that I'm careful in what I say, but there's two things that really need to be said. One is the team wouldn't have acted if the team didn't think there was something going on here worthy of their attention to act, right? We both agree on that. Well, I, I, if I can jump in before you ask your second question, right. I, I, think, I think a team in this situation, uh, when you have uh, a, an alleged relationship in another country where, uh, you know, socially things are just different in the Dominican Republic than they are here, um, and that goes in any number of ways, I think with the lack of clarity in facts, 
the team would be, uh, frankly, foolish not to try and pause and say, okay, before we make any judgment here, let's get the facts straight. Because, so, you know, social media doesn't do that. Like, no. that's the, no. for all of the wonderful things that social media brings to us, the interconnectedness, the rapidity of information, what it doesn't do well is context. And what it doesn't do well is, you know, taking a step back and saying, hey, let's let the facts dictate where we're going here as opposed to uh, creating a mob scene. And that's, you know, that's fine. There, there are different standards. And if people want to jump to those conclusions, then that's, you know, that's well within their right. Everything and, you said covered the other thing I wanted to say, which is that this is a different area and mores and customs may be different. We don't know. Absolutely. We don't know. So, all right. So let me move on. Let me get to the Braves. And I, w- I want to talk about the Braves, but you have to talk about the Mets. Yeah. Have- <laughs> what... They've given up on this year and next year. What? What is this? What is this? This must fascinate you because of the amount of money that was spent that has pretty much all gone down the drain. I'm not going to say, Tony, that they're giving up on next year um, because if you look at the roster that they've got right now, Starling Marte, uh, is going to be back next year. Francisco Lindor is going to be back. Brandon Nimmo is going to be back. Kodai Senga is going to be back. Edwin Diaz is going to be back. Pete Alonso's on the roster. He could get traded in the winter, but Pete Alonso presumably is going to be back. Jeff McNeil is going to be back. Like, it's not like this is a barren team that is destined to lose 100 games or that's tanking. This is still going to be one of the biggest payrolls in all of baseball. It's just not going to be the biggest ever like it was this year. And I I find it very interesting that Steve Cohen is now, you know, in his third year owning the Mets and running into something that a lot of people who get into the, not just baseball, but sports business realize. This is freaking hard. It's hard. Like, it's, it's really hard to build a championship team because you can do everything right and things just don't go as planned or expected. And, and what I think I appreciate about what the Mets did is that they realized that there was sunk cost and uh, they, they went and addressed it, right? Like they didn't sit here and say, we should be this. Our expected return on this roster is this. So we're just going to let time take care of itself. No, no, they moved. They moved. There was an there was an urgency here, and you know, uh, I I feel a little trite saying this, but I think Steve Cohen's career trading in equities uh, and uh, in in frankly all sorts of financial products, I think that taught him that if you make a bad bet, don't stick with it. Cut your losses, do the very best that you can to get out of it, and start over and build something back the right way. And what the Mets did was not necessarily the wrong way, but it was the way that didn't work. And when it doesn't work, uh, you know, you can sit there and lament that, or you can go and do something about it, and that's what the Mets did. The Mets went out, they traded Max Scherzer, they traded Justin Verlander, they traded Tommy Pham, you know, they moved all the guys, uh, with the exception of Verlander, who 
were going to potentially be leaving this offseason anyway. And they said, we're going to put a target on 2025 and 26 because that's when this plethora of prospects that we have now are likeliest to arrive. And some of them are going to be really good. And some of them aren't because that's the nature of how prospecting works. And once we're at that place, hopefully we'll be in a position to supplement that with a free agent that we may skip out on in 2024, which, by the way, outside of Shohei Otani, Tony, not much. a... Weak class. Yeah, it's not much. It is a bad free agent class. Did you, by the way, are we to take this seriously, a feud between uh, Verlander and Scherzer? Is that serious? Scherzer and Verlander really, going back for a long time, have never gotten along particularly well. Mm, Um, Back in Detroit, uh, all the way back. Yeah, yeah, they spent time in Detroit together. And uh, they, they are both extraordinarily accomplished men who have large personalities and you know if they are not uh peanut butter and jelly they're probably going to be oil and water okay no that that that's fair they're both going to the hall of fame they know what they're doing the braves which i started with the braves are really good are they not they're really good yeah i mean matt olson is killing it i mean it's it's pretty incredible when you lose freddie freeman who i think is probably with these last few years, cementing himself as a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Uh, You lose a homegrown Hall of Famer in free agency, and you immediately turn around and make a trade for a guy uh, and sign him to a contract extension for uh, even more money, but also more years than you were willing to give Freeman. And that guy potentially is going to hit 55-plus home runs and drive in upward of 150 runs this year. Like, Matt Olson is just a – he is a producer. He always has put up numbers, and he's he's finding the peak version of himself this year. And it's leading, Tony, to an awfully interesting National League MVP race where you've got Freddie Freeman. And Acuna. Ronald Acuna Jr. And And Mookie Betts, who's – probably having his best season since his MVP year. And then, of course, there's Olsen. It's two Dodgers, it's two Braves, and how the voters uh, parse that out, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a National League MVP voter. We have, um, I bring this up because my son brings this up to me all the time. We have seen dynastic results from the Braves in the past yep. that led to one and only one World Series victory. Yep. What is, you know, does that, does that haunt them? Does that haunt them? You know, I think they look back at the 90s and the early 2000s when I think they won 13 consecutive divisions. Like, it was a, a ridiculous number and a ridiculous run. And I think they look back at that as a missed opportunity. But I also think they look back at that with a clear head. And what I mean by that is even if you have this roster full of Hall of Famers. And the Braves did have a roster with four Hall of Famers for the majority of that in Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and Chipper Jones. Even if you have that, it doesn't guarantee you anything because October's a different animal. That's now. right. Uh, you know, if, if, this were, if this were the Premier League and the best record in the regular season means a championship, that would be one thing. But Baseball is is a game that is both played over 162 games and in three, five, and seven game series, 
and it's wild to think that the three, five, and seven matter more than the one sixty-two. But, but they, they do, do because you don't get but you don't do. get a ring for one sixty-two, Tony. No, they you do. get one though if you can survive October. I that's, totally agreed on that. Do you see any impact, by the way, that since the trade deadline, or there's one or two people, good or bad? I mean, I would say Lucas Giolito has been so bad. Um, but I'm wondering, do you see any particular player that stands out having been traded? You know, this this deadline was as much about guys who didn't move as the ones who did, right? Um, whether it was Shohei Otani uh, being held by the Los Angeles Angels or Eduardo Rodriguez um, turning down a deal to the Dodgers. Right. I mean that that's it's still shocking to me the the Rodriguez situation. Um, but I I look at Texas. Uh, Max Scherzer's been really good. Justin Verlander's been very solid, and that division race to me, above all other division races, is going to be the most interesting down the stretch because you've got the defending world champion Astros who went out and got their ace after he left them in free agency. And you've got this Rangers team that uh, Corey Seager, by the way, has been unbelievable this year. I know he's been hurt a few times and because of that, his numbers aren't on the league leaderboard, but uh, he would be clear second to Shohei Otani in the MVP race right. if he had played full season right now. Um, Marcus Simeon in his prime as well. Uh, a guy like Jonah Heim having a career year out. Elise Garcia has been fantastic. Their rotation's been good. Their bullpen's been solid. The Rangers are a good team, man. And, uh, you know, I talked with Chris Young, their general manager, about this. And I'm paraphrasing him here when I asked, you know, why do you go and get Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery at the trade deadline? Why, why are you so aggressive now? And his response was essentially, if not now, then when? And I appreciate that, uh, especially in the context of where the Rangers are. I think the Angels had the same, if not now, then when approach, but it was driven not by their winning but by their desire to keep Shohei Otani and show him that they can put together a team that is representative of the level of play he exhibits on a daily basis. And, well, it's not going too great. Did not. Did not. Is not. Did not. Is not. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very, very much, as always. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Pleasure is always mine, Tony. Thanks Jeff, for having me. Jeff Passon, boys and girls. Really good. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's in Portuguese. That is sent to us by Dr. Oscar Ruiz, an assistant professor of biology at Houston Christian University. 
Says all this Portugal talk recently got me thinking of when my then seven-year-old non-masculine child, Frida Ruiz Berman, sang the mailbag theme in Portuguese. We were living in Lisbon at the time and getting drunk as rats on their amazing Red Wines Daily. We managed to make it onto the podcast back then, and Nigel was kind enough to send an autograph sheet with a TK sticker that I still have. Here's the mailbag theme again if you want to use it. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Very lovely. Yeah. In Portuguese. Yes, Frida. Nice. Very excited about you that. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Well, we actually didn't get bagels from Bethesda bagels no, today. No, we did not. We love them, and we'll get them there for, you know, for the but rest of the week. But you went somewhere else. Yeah, I went. I was in Georgetown. The Andrew Dana place. Yes, uh, call right. your mother. Andrew, Dana's Andrew Dana, star of uh, local television. Yes, yeah. uh, very happy to go. Is that right? Georgetown Day Zone. Is that no, right? He's, he's, they keep opening up more and more shops. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now in Denver. And it's... Denver. Yes. In Denver, wow. A bagel hotspot. Blowing up. Yeah, that's fantastic. But uh, but yeah, no, it was Involved great. They've the got peanut a, butter game. They've got a very great, cordial staff. It was a terrific operation. And, you know, we love the bagels there. You know, very but good. Bethesda bagels is our, our oh, true love. Yes, but, it's okay. Yeah. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, as I walk along, I wonder what went wrong with our love, a love that was so strong. And as I still walk on, I think of the things we've done together while our hearts were young. I'm a walking in the rain, tears are falling, I feel the pain, wishing you were here by me to end this misery. And then I'll add parenthetically, and I wonder, I why, 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 wonder, why, 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 she went away. And I wonder where she will stay, my little runaway. So... That's Del Shannon, of course, yeah. who is one of the few artists referenced in song by both Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty. That's right. You know, that's a pretty great honor for yeah. Del Shannon. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Jeff Passan. Thanks to our sponsors today, MeUndies, Grammarly, and Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. From Greg Blake. This is a long one, and it's a good one. Gregory D. Blake. Okay, from Midlothian, Virginia. Thank you so much for all of the entertainment you've supplied us with over the years. And hello to Michael and Nigel. Your pop-up interview with Al Michaels put two of my favorite sports commentators together in the same space, he and you. I've always been a fan. However, there's one other sportscaster I've always included in my top three. And that is Bob Costas. Oh, sure. Me too. Yeah, Costas. On great. a night many years ago when the Richmond Sports Forum existed, Bob Costas was the speaker. He did a superb job of regaling the large audience with many stories and then gracefully answered questions afterwards. Being a Wednesday night, the place cleared out quickly. I happened to mention to a young colleague of mine who attended with me that Bob Costas was one of my all-time favorites. And before I could say otherwise, he said, come on, follow me. And we headed backstage. When we got behind the curtain, there were only two people standing there, the guy running the show and none other than Bob Costas. My friend quickly walked up to the pair and introduced me as one of Bob Costas' biggest fans. Sheepishly, I introduced myself and, among other accolades, related the story of <coughs> how much I appreciated and would never forget the calm aura he brought to the chaos wrought by the earthquake at the 1989 World Series game between the Oakland Athletics and the San Francisco Giants. And after a brief pause, quietly and with a tiny smile, Mr. Costas gently said, Well, I really appreciate you telling me that, but that was Al Michaels. <laughs> There was dead silence until my colleague totally lost it and started laughing at my obvious embarrassment, and that got all four of us cracking up, as there was little could be said after that. To use one of your favorite phrases, what a dope. Please bring back Al Michaels, and if possible, Bob Costas, too. P.S. I'm a two-for Penn grad, having gotten a Master's of Mental Health Counseling 44 years after graduating from their business school. Drink a highball, Michael. Yeah. Is that a pen phrase? Yep. Drink a highball. Okay. So I love Costas as well. And he lives in California. So it's the same reason I don't have him on as I don't have Al on. Right. Because I don't want to wake somebody up. Yeah. But if, I mean, Costas, again, there's only two people in my life, and I don't think that Al can do this. 
I don't. There's only two people in my life with the clock in their head to such a degree that somebody could say to these people, we have three minutes and 19 seconds and there's no clock on the wall. And they bang it out and at 319, they're done. <laughs> Saud Cosell and Bob Costas. That's it. It's an incredible skill. That's the list. It's an incredible skill. From Tony Beeson. Your interview with Uncle Big Al was brilliant. Thank you. It brings back a flood of memories. I was seven years old on October 11th, 1972, when the Cincinnati Reds were down a run going into the bottom of the ninth in the decisive Game 5 of the NLCS. My dad greatly preferred the radio broadcast to the rum-dums on TV, so as usual, he turned down the sound on the television and turned up his old transistor radio with a bent antenna so that we could be guided through this tense game by the golden young voice of Al Michaels and the old left-hander Joe Nuxall. Al's play-by-play of that inning concluded with the 1-1 pitch to McRae in the dirt. It's a wild pitch. Here comes Foster. The Reds win the pennant. Is legend around here within listening distance of WLW Radio. Locally, it certainly rivals that of the U.S. Olympic hockey's Do You Believe in Miracles? I was sitting on the floor near my dad's feet when Al made that 1972 call for the Reds' pennant-winning triumph. My dad always seemed to carry a double pocket full of change, and when George Foster scored the winning run, my dad leaped out of his chair and jumped up and down. Coins rained down upon me, and I just laughed and laughed. It was the happiest I ever saw my father. It was generally a serious man, so it was the happiest day of my life, which is very nice. From Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey. Sure, Al Michaels has the most famous broadcasting line ever, but can he beat a monkey at picking games? <laughs> Reginald was 36-27-1 last year. Some miracle that, Michaels. <laughs> That's a fair point, Brandon. Rich Thank Ottinger you. in Voorheesville, New York, episode 56. Oh, Chuck hum- and Roxy. Humble brag. 10-29 for Pint of Ice Cream. What does it think it is? A Whopper meal? <laughs> so I, we've gotten it wrong. It's not McCormick's. No, it's not McCormick's. It's uh, McConnell's. Yes. Okay. From Will Green. Half gallon Bluebell coffee ice cream at the Kroger across the street from where I live. Three ninety nine. Eat your heart out, Grandpa. <laughs> from Sean Crawford in Queenstown, Maryland. Queenstown is on the way to the beach. Oh, I mean, yes. In Queenstown, that's right. you go over the bridge. Yeah. You know, Stop right the outlets. There. You know, you pass the outlets. You go, you go to Queenstown. I have followed the ice cream saga closely, and I wanted to chime in. Vanderwens is indeed wonderful ice cream, so I wanted to make you aware that it's sold a little closer to D.C. than Bridgeville, Delaware. Well, it's also sold in Dewey, which is where Socialite got it. There's a locally owned ice cream shop called Sugar Doodles with about four or five locations in Queen Anne's County, Maryland, that exclusively sells Vanderwend ice cream. One of the shops is in Chester, Maryland, just east of the Bay Bridge. It's an easy stop on your way home from Rehoboth since it's on the north side of Route 50. After you cross the Kent Narrows Bridge heading westbound, take 39A onto Castle Marina Road. I know that. It'll be on the right-hand side directly behind the McDonald's that you can see from Route 50. They sell both coffee and cappuccino ice cream. There's another location at the Kent Narrows near the Botel and Dock House restaurant that opens a little earlier to serve coffee to early Rogers and boaters. If you have a small cooler and there isn't much Bay Bridge traffic, you should be able to make it back to D.C. before it melts. If there is Bay Bridge traffic, you can eat it on the bridge and just pretend you're over a very large sink. From Rob Perez in Santa Barbara, California. On one of last week's pods, somebody recommended McConnell's ice cream and mentioned it was one you should try that is now available locally in D.C., This is something of a David Aldridge moment for me, since I'm a Santa Barbara, California local, and that's where McConnell's is from. I can attest to you its greatness as a local favorite. However, on today's pod, you lamented its price. You also called it McCormick's, but we can tackle that later. (laughs) At 10.29 per pint. 
I share your pain there, even locally here in Santa Barbara. It's usually between $9.99 and $10.99 a pint, depending upon what supermarket you're in. More often than not, you can get it on sale for anywhere between $5.50 and $7.99 a pint, which is a much more palatable price-wise for very good, high-quality ice cream. Keep an eye out when it goes on sale. The chocolate-covered strawberries or mint chip are two favorite flavors in our house. And yes, coffee ice cream is excellent. We have a couple of McConnell's ice cream shops to walk in here in Santa Barbara where we can experiment and try new flavors before buying pints in the store. Stand firm, my friend. I would not pay $10.29 a pint either, and I never buy the McConnell's unless it's on sale. I'm off to write that hit song now, Alone in My Principles. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's great to get it on sale, but I, I've never even seen it. No, I, I saw some McConnell's at the, at the Safeway today, but no coffee, so yeah. not worth it. From uh, Russell uh, Pavlik, Subaru driver, mm. identifies as Subaru driver in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's late, Saturday morning, August 12th. Just got through reading Chuck Culpepper's article in the Post about the Australia-France quarterfinal game in the Women's World Cup. Game ended in a shootout after going scoreless for 120 minutes of play. After reading Chuck's article, there's a change in my plans for today. After I press send on this email, I'm going to watch my DVR replay of the game in its entirety. Chuck's article and storytelling was that good. The man can write. Hope he had a heated toilet seat waiting for him when he got back to the hotel. He's a great writer. He is. Steve Tabor, Tabor. Often because of my schedule, I have to save... Save up shows and then catch them while I'm on the road. I did this yesterday and offered this summary. Tony, quit sending me stuff. Also, Tony, send me Speedy Sauce. Send me Sky Bars. Send me McCormick's Ice Cream. Help me out here. I'm trying to thread the needle between those two positions. I have a lovely crocheted oven mitt I want to send. Yeah. Send me stuff I value. Yes. Um, Alex Schwarm in Glen Ridge, New Jersey. I'm thrilled to share more North Jersey transportation updates. Construction is complete at the rest area on the southbound side of the Garden State Parkway near exit 151, Wachung Avenue in Bloomfield. Chick-fil-A won't be open until the end of the month, but Starbucks is now serving customers. The rest area is accessible to both GSP, Garden State Parkway, southbound drivers and locals like me who can enter and exit from Broad Street in Bloomfield. I imagine this will be your favorite rest area on the Garden State Parkway, given your personal connections. New Jersey has renovated and renamed all of their rest stops on the Garden State Parkway, and this stop now bears the name of New Jersey Hall of Fame member, Connie Chung. How great is that? Connie Chung's got a rest stop named after. Not Maury. <laughs> Connie. <laughs> Connie. Not that's, Maury. That's great. You should really come visit the rest area and bring its namesake and her husband along, too. I'd be delighted to meet you and buy you breakfast at Starbucks, though if a warmed-up pre-made breakfast sandwich <laughs> isn't your thing, we could hop down to the local ShopRite, where they make the best, least expensive donuts in the area, though they did just raise their prices from $0.85 cents to $1.25 a donut. But are they at $3 like the fractured prune? <laughs> Three for one, five for two. Donuts? What would you think a donut costs? 50 cents, yeah, right? Yeah, I would think It's a sure. piece of fried cake. <laughs> oh, come on. I know it's not an offer for a round of golf at Upper Montclair or Bedminster or Hollywood, but they're really good donuts. <laughs> think about it, Alex Schwarm. And one more from Jason Blazer at either Lake Orion or Lake Orion, Michigan. Regarding Rochester Hills, you did indeed have that. It's in lovely Oakland County, Michigan, and shares most of its north and west border with Lake Orion. You know, however it's pronounced, Rochester Hills. <laughs> Cheers, Jason Blazer. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on, man. What are we doing out there, man? <laughs>
could grow old Living in the backwoods Watching the birds Dance with the light I could be saved In a wooden church Kneeling on a bed Of crooked pine Disappointment to us all Four pitchers from Fullerton Union Starting with Walter Johnson And all four have no hitters No pressure, but we're watching Steve Busby was the second Mike Warren the third And Michael Lorenzen is the fourth 
What a strange, 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 strange world. So Fullerton Union student, if to the mound you get the call, if you make the big throw a no-hitter or you'll be a great disappointment to us all. You better throw a no-hitter or you'll be a great disappointment to us all.